This is Karen Hunter, and welcome to The Hub. What is freedom and what is power? According to James Baldwin, freedom is not something that anybody can be given. Freedom is something people take, and people are as free as they want to be. According to James Baldwin, you're free as long as you think you are. And no one can give you freedom. You have to take it. And it's similar with power. And today we're going to talk about buying power. I did an interview at the top of the year, top of 2019, with Andrew McCaskill, who at the time was with Nielsen. Andrew McCaskill frequently is a guest on the Clay Kane Show on Sirius XM Urban View Channel 126. And I wanted to have him on frequently on my show to talk about buying habits and buying power because I want to close this wealth gap. But I know in order to close this wealth gap, this is not about a political movement. This is not about marching in the streets. This is about choices, just like freedom is a choice. Our power to close the wealth gap is also a choice. And what Andrew McCaskill did in our very first interview was lay the groundwork for the work that we need to do next. It was a great interview. I broke it into two parts. This is part one where we talk about the beginnings, the history, how we got here. And what McCaskill said which I think is really powerful, is that the biggest way people give up their power is by thinking they don't have any. So we explore the awesome amount of power black folk have and how black dollars single-handedly bolster this economy, but more importantly, how those dollars can be redirected to help power our community. I hope you enjoyed this interview. You can follow both of us on Twitter, me at Karen Hunter, him at Drew McCaskill. I hope you enjoy. Let me introduce you to someone. He is an amazing human being. I just uh, got to meet him in person last time uh, we were on the air, uh, last year, literally. And uh, I hear him frequently every Monday on the Clay Kane show because he joins Clay talking about all kinds of things. And I'm like, this would be a nice addition to our show as well. So I stole a guest from Clay Kane, and I thank Clay Kane for introducing us to him. He is the senior vice president of Global Communications and co-author of Diverse Intelligence Series, Multicultural Consumers, Andrew McCaskill. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome back, sir. Thank you for having me back. Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you. Happy You Year. Oh. Yeah, you like that? I like that. Yeah. Yeah. As I was typing out Happy New Year, I was like, that's kind of common. Mm-hmm. What's this year about? Self-care. And as I was doing it, it just like, I didn't see it anyplace else. I'm sure it's not original because there's nothing new under the sun. I'm sure somebody else has used that before. I haven't seen it. But it's good though. I like it. I like so that. I'm saying I, I invented it. <laughs> I'm gonna say, I created the term and I'm I put, I'm on put a hashtag on it. I don't want to go to the gym. Yes, you. It's all about you. What are you going to do about it? What to quote Joe Madison. show life? Get your life. All right. So what's fascinating about you is that you study trends, buying habits, and marketing things for Nielsen's, which we all know is the ratings people. Right. And they 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 track ratings because that's where we were just talking about the census. Right. Because that's where your your resources are directed towards the people who trend in your tracking of the people's trends. Yeah, absolutely. We measure what people watch, what they buy, and what they listen to, not only in America, but all over the world. 
And the census conversation that, that y'all were having is so is so important for people of color because pe- the it's not just the government that uses those numbers. Everyone uses those numbers. So it's the baseline for um, one of the reasons why we always tell people to participate in Nielsen surveys is because we're asking you these questions and not just because we're trying to be in your business, but we're asking you, hey, did you buy that? Did you buy that head of lettuce? Did you buy that in your neighborhood or did you buy that? you know, four, four stops away, 10 blocks away or 12 blocks away because retailers are going to use that data, whether it's census data or Nielsen data populated together to decide whether or not we're going to put a grocery store in your neighborhood. We look, wow. they, people use that data to decide whether or not they're going to put a hospital in your neighborhood. They're going to use that data for, and you guys were talking about the Hispanic community. They're going to use that data um, to see are there enough um in, are there enough Spanish dominant people in this community for me to make sure that in um in our public services uh, facilities that we have people who can speak English and Spanish? All of those things that all of those things happen because they're looking at census data and then they're looking and for commercial decisions like whether or not to put products on the shelves, whether or not to put shows on the air. They're also looking at data from folks like us to figure out whether or not people are going to actually be there to consume the products. Do they want those products? Do they care about those products being in the neighborhood? That's the that's the reason why I feel like um, the black dollar is so important and understanding the black dollar is so important for our community, for us. So and this show we talk about power. So so just let me just you're new. We had a conversation off mic. But I always, I guess is the way I was raised. My father always said, don't borrow any money from anybody. You never need anybody for anything. Yeah. And so he instilled in me from a l- early age a sense of self-reliance, right? right? A self-determination, mm-hmm. which is uh, the theme for today. I realize not everybody has that. Yeah. As a group, I see us begging a lot, mm-hmm. marching a lot, asking people for things, yeah. right? That we ourselves have the ability to attain. And I think that's a generational thing, too. It, whether it's, it's generational, it's been exacerbated I don't know, But I've been in, watching yeah. it, right, mm-hmm. for, for my entire life. Mm-hmm. And when I started looking at the numbers, because you keep hearing, we spend $1 trillion, and right. then it keeps going up, because the Urban right. League does a report every year. Yep, and it's, I love that. I remember when it hit a trillion, yeah. and it was $1.3 trillion, And it was, you know, yeah. between $1.3 trillion and $3 trillion. Mm-hmm. More than the GDP of Russia, yeah. more than the GDP of Mexico, yeah. black people spend, consume. Mm-hmm. We're consumers, which, if I'm doing the math, we're foundational to the economy of America. Absolutely. So if we are the reason why America is great financially, because right. we pour that much money into this mm-hmm. economy, right? why don't we have more? So that's how I started. That's right? how you start. Yeah. Okay. How, how come our neighborhoods look the way they do? How yeah. come we aren't, uh, you know, all, we have more billionaires? Why aren't our businesses booming? Why don't we have more businesses? So that's the premise of having this conversation and having you on. So we're going to now dissect the different sectors every week, mm-hmm. you know, or every month or however often you come in. Yeah. We're going to peel apart layers of this so that we can start to have a perspective on not just our power, but then how do we excise that power how do right. we utilize that power you right. laid the, the foundation right, right, right. of what you do at yep. nielsen's okay what's the first sector we're going to tackle today so the, the first sector this first sector i think is is really interesting that we that we take a look at is we broke down all these different categories and 
I'm going to say something that I, that I that my grandmother would probably slap me for saying, but I really believe that the black dollar is just as important as the black vote as it relates to impacting change in America. Why would your grandmother slap you for that? Because <clears throat> my grandmother was uh was was straight up like the vote is is like right under like Martin Luther King, Jesus and Martin Luther King, right? Is the black vote. But I really believe that black dollars is just as important as the black vote I, I for, agree. for impacting change. We're only 14% of the US population, but we're 47.4 million people strong. But here's for, the thing. Well, let's do the numbers. Yeah. So according to the US Census. According to the US Census. And right? Nielsen's, black people make up 14%, 14% of, the population. of the population. We're 44 million people. 47.4 million people but here's the 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 real number that you got to think about is that 1.3 trillion dollars a year that we spend i mean that if we annually annually if we were a country it's just like you said we would be the 15th largest gdp in the world between spain and mexico the united states has a trade agreement to guarantee reciprocity with mexico and its GDP is less money than black folks spend. So tell me how black people cannot look at the money that we spend and say, the government has a whole treaty with Mexico and their GDP is smaller than what we do. And we don't deserve reciprocity? I mean, that's the way or we got to start. Respect. Well, that's the way we got to start thinking right, about it, right? right? No, 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 no. You have hit on something. We gotta be, we gotta be more conscious about it. And so we looked at some cate- we looked at categories of where black dollars is uh, the black spending is greater than our percentage of the population. And so, I one of the ones I want to look at is detergent Ooh, because okay, we look so under far. the cabinets in all our houses. Yes. We know we know the detergent that we buy. We know the detergent that our mama buy, that our grandmama buy, whatever the case is. And you got to think about this in terms of dollars in a year. That black people we we contribute more. We contribute fifteen percent of the total spend. And you may say, well, fifteen percent is only one percent more than fourteen. Drew, how is that a big deal? It's a big deal because black folks spend almost a billion with a B dollars on just washing powder. Every year. Say what now? Repeat that, please. Black folks spend almost a billion dollars with a B on detergent. And so my question then is for black consumers, are we consciously purchasing these things, right? Because we're spending a billion dollars. A billion dollars is 15% of the total spend. If black people just shifted their buying power they're, they're buying of one category to the left, to the right, or didn't buy at all for a month, two months, three Ooh, months, so, whatever so the case pause, is. Pause, 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 I'm just processing. Yeah. Think about what that does to an entire category and with that a billion dollars is a lot of money. Right. And so I know everybody looks at the at when when Nielsen comes out with the stuff and I go on the road and I'm talking or, or my co- or my cohort, Cheryl um, Grace, goes on the road and she starts talking about this, is that people always hit us with the, well, you need to be talking about wealth and not spending power. But here's the deal. And he, Alice Walker says this, and I believe it is that the biggest way people give up their power is by thinking that they don't have any. Mm. And all money is power. Or That's what we need to understand as African Americans. So, so we live in a capitalist right. society. All money is power. All money is power. That's, I've been saying this for four years, Andrew. All money is power. You look at the the at the 
Montgomery bus boycott, right? That wasn't just about people were tired of seeing black folks walking to work, right? The Montgomery bus boycott practically bankrupted the city of Montgomery because black folks were 70%, 75% of the people on public transportation. No, it did bankrupt the bus company. Yeah. It bankrupted that Montgomery bus Yeah, oh, absolutely. The parent company had to come in. Right. And restore order because that we did bankrupt them. Right. But that shows you how powerful racism is, that they rather go bankrupt than to give black people the, the, the right to not just sit on a bus but not have their money stolen. So think but about that detergent thing, right? I, I, listen. It's a billion dollars. A billion dollars. Okay, so first of all, there's a little history to why black folks spend disproportionate mm. amount of money on detergent, and we need to have a conversation about that. Mm. And I, I'm remembering the scene in 12 Years a Slave, the the scene that Lupita Nyong'o actually won her Oscar for, right, yeah. as Patsy. Oh, and it's a powerful scene. She deserved the Oscar. But it's a scene where she ran off the plantation to get a piece of soap. Mm-hmm. And the, the scene is so powerful because you all who've seen the movie will remember it immediately. For 400 years, black people had no control over their body. Yeah. Their hygiene. And we don't think about that. Their either. reproductive rights. The, none of that. But specifically, how hygiene, we yeah. washed ourselves. Mm-hmm. It, it was not necessarily readily available to wash your clothes and your body. Mm-hmm. You did it at the whim of the person that owned you. Yeah. Right? So, and, and black, if you go in the dictionary, Malcolm X talks about this in his book. If you didn't see, watch the book, uh, if you didn't read the book, but watch the movie, Spike Lee's great movie, Malcolm X, yeah. he talks about in, when he was in prison learning how to read through reading a dictionary. Mm-hmm. And the word black, to this day, as he was reading, and maybe Webster's has done something mm-hmm. since. I haven't been to a Webster's dictionary in a while because mm-hmm. we have the internet. But everything associated with black was dirty, was filthy. Dirty, yeah, all of that. But dirty and filthy and what do they call us black mm-hmm. so so we have been indoctrinated and brainwashed into believing that we're dirty yeah i mean the if you look at the things where we over index we over index on men's toiletries we spend over half a billion dollars on personal soap and bath knees we make up 20 percent of the entire spend in the united states on personal soap and bath needs i mean men's toiletries we make up 20.10% uh, of that category, spending roughly $62 million a year on just soap for men. African-American. Um, so we're the cleanest <laughs> Women's fragrances, we make up um, black women um, fragrances, 22.4% of the entire spend of the fragrance category in America African American um African Americans make up wow. that spend. And so, so you oh think about gosh. that. So that, but as you're talking Drew McCaskill Yes ma'am from Nielsen <laughs> you, and I, I'm sorry to cut you off but as you're talking I'm also thinking about the power of brainwashing. So if you if you brainwash a people, propagandize a people into mm. believing that they're dirty. Mm. Like I'm a, I remember my dad buying Ultra Skin Lightning mm. because he was he grew up very he's very very dark skin. And so the belief is being dark skin is bad, right? In right. India right now, India right now, skin bleaching, we'll get to that another show. Skin bleaching is a hot product in Africa, in, in China, China too. 
in India. I know, mm-hmm. right? Uh, because black, dark is bad. But you add the dirt component, the dirty, you're filthy. Mm-hmm. And my dad grew up, he was like, you know, the gold dust twins, two little black figures on a d- detergent, yeah. you know. And it becomes a thing that you can then capitalize on, right? So I make you believe you're dirty, and then I create these products where you're going to disproportionately purchase. So now we have an industry. Thank mm-hmm. you. <laughs> you create the problem, and then you create the solution. Yeah. It's amazing, but I'm, I'm telling us. Let's stop being brainwashed. Get Tom Burrell's book, number one. Let's recalibrate how we think about ourselves. We're not dirty. I'm not saying we go to the cultures that think that deodorant is not a thing that we should be using, but maybe some of us use too much of it. Here's the truth of the matter. Let me just tell you the truth. There's coconut oil and um, baking powder and a host of other home remedies that cost 99 cents. I use peroxide to clean with. I'm I'm just telling you what I clean with. I go to CVS and get... A bunch of 99 cent bottles of peroxide. I bought a spray bottle from one of the stores and I pour the peroxide in there and I clean with peroxide and it bubbles up Mm -hmm. and it wipes away and it's cheap and it does a better job. And I can actually put it on my boo-boos as well (laughs) because peroxide is one of those things that you can use multiple uses. I clean my glasses with it. Oh, matter of fact, you could use vinegar and water. For a lot of things, not just in your areas, but to clean your glass with. We have to start to think differently about what it means to be clean and how we're being used to fund somebody else's industry. Imagine if there was a, if there, we have all of these hair care companies, right, that are that have done amazing work with chemicals right we have black hair care companies and everybody wants to talk about ethnic hair care and beauty aids but we already know that we that we sort of what we do in that market but imagine if one of those companies that has all of this capacity to create um, hair relaxer and all of these other things were imagine if they created uh, detergent Mm, and that there, and there was a black and there was a I think black there is a black there's owned. true is there a true there is a black owned detergent company that mm. we that I can't that I don't know off the top of my head why right. is that why is that though uh is it the same products is that mm. I mean the same ingredients yeah. in the products probably it's probably less toxic I remember mm. when I was a kid uh the lady who used to come um who used to come to our house and, and clean all the time Miss Reese she used vinegar and baking soda to clean everything everything and and i think about that now like that seems like a crazy thing um like that seems like very nouveau is to like not use pine whatever product whatever. right right and product x product x to to clean the house but to use things that you know that you could actually consume to clean the house that's amazing to me that she did that even back then Instagram is telling me the product company is called True. Thank you, Instagram. Thank you can you, follow Instagram. us at Karen Hunter Show on Instagram. We're Instagramming uh, Andrew right now. Instagram yeah, and yeah. live him because uh, why not? Hey, IG. Yeah, it's uh, January third. We're doing new things in twenty in <laughs> in, in the new year. Uh, but yeah, I mean, there have been household products that our mom, our great grandmothers used oh, yeah. that weren't toxic. Mm-hmm. We didn't have to go to court to sue. <laughs> do, you, do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, like, absolutely. Didn't didn't cause cancer. Absolutely. Didn't, didn't uh, create um, an environment where we needed to take charcoal pills to 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 remove toxins from our our households are one of the most toxic places. 
Oh, yeah. Right? For us. Right. And it's because of all those chemicals that we have probably stored under our kitchen sinks. Down there under that sink, bacon. And right. Bacon with all that vapor. Yes, yes. You go <laughs> under there and breathe it in, and there you go. Again, I have two things. I have bacon powder, ba- baking powder, I have vinegar, and I have um, hydrogen peroxide. That's it. Can I say something about the consciousness about yeah. that, though? One of the things that, that is so important to me to to have the conversation about the fact that we move markets. Black folks move markets. So many, there's so many economies and there's so many companies and there's so many categories that are propped up by us and we don't even know it. We don't even recognize how much power we have. Who would tell us that? So let me back up a little bit. We're talking with Andrew McCaskill, mm-hmm. McCaskill Drew McCaskill. Yep. Uh, he's with Nielsen's. How many times have we, I've never seen a you in a position to be able to, because here's a problem with a lack of diversity. Mm-hmm. When you have a company that's homogenous, everyone sees things through the same lens. Right. You coming in seeing these numbers, you see you in those Absolutely. numbers. So you're going to have a particular, you know, uh, focus. Right. But if you're not sitting in that seat, we're not getting this information. You're not on Clay's show. You're not on my show right. if you're not sitting in that seat. Right. So it's super important that you're there. So let me first say thank you for applying <laughs> to that job. Well, why did you want to work there? I've always been a little bit of a data geek and a science geek, right? So I... Um, I'm not great with numbers, but numbers fascinate me. I like to tell stories with numbers. Nielsen was appealing to me because I had spent a long time in corporate America being the only or the first, right? And I had done my time in that space to do that. I I feel blessed that every place where I was the only or I was the first, I left more than I came, than, than more black folks there than when I left, than when I got there, right? And when I got to this point in my career, I was like, I want to go somewhere where the black folks headcount is high, where it's enough black folks that we don't all know each other, that you get to the company meeting and you say, oh, that's a go some new black folks I don't know, right? Nielsen was that organization. Really? Oh, absolutely. So when I think we of are Nielsen's, incredibly I think of, diverse. I think of like a lily white place with a bunch of men with glasses and yeah i mean that's our Im- that's that's probably our image 90 you know we've been around 95 years so there's um there's a a video of me online doing an interview in our offices and there behind me is the the nielsen um company photo from i think 1955 and uh one of the guys who was interviewing me who's african-american he said Man, if those dudes from 1955 behind you could see your black self <laughs> right. right here as a as an executive, one person away, you know, one title uh, between you and the CEO of an organization, they would think that was crazy. Um, and I was like, yeah, but you know, that's the evolution. We also had uh, we also had a female chairman for a long time. I think women are just more more empathic about that and much more open to diversity. Mm. Uh, We also recognize that for us to accurately count America, we have to start the process of reflecting America in our ranks as well. So uh, when I got to Nielsen, you know, we had a, a black CFO, uh, you know, black folks on the board. We and, and, and it wasn't just black folks. I mean, I, I got there. There was a cadre of black executives, but also, of you know, Hispanic and Asian executives, too. That was part one of my powerful discussion with Drew McCaskill, formerly of Nielsen. You can follow him on Twitter at Drew McCaskill. You can follow me at Karen Hunter. Let us know what you think with the hashtag podcast. Till next time.